before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Hi, friends. Hi. Welcome to They're Terrified and Tipsy. start. Okay. My name is Courtney. Uh, I love long walks on the beach, Mm -hmm. white wine, and I absolutely love scary movies. And I'm Stephanie. I also love long walks on the beach. I love white wine, but I absolutely hate (laughs) scary movies. So Stephanie, Mm -hmm. can I ask you a question? Please. Why in the hell (laughs) would you want to watch scary movies and do a podcast on scary movies when you hate them? Oh, that's easy um, because you forced me. Mm, that's that's true. <laughs> but you know what? Hmm. There's wine. Yeah. So I'm basically only here for the wine. <laughs> lots and lots of wine. <laughs> We're going to need it. <laughs> well, since we have very different feelings about scary movies, we decided to share our emotional struggles with you all. Yeah. So grab a glass of wine, your mm-hmm. favorite couch blanket, and get comfy and enjoy the ride with us. Also, you can find their Terrified and Tipsy on Instagram and Twitter, plus all the podcast platforms. For links, head over to tipsypod.com. Cheers. Samantha, quit yawning. It's time for Perhaps It's You, an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. We're here to say hello to the five. High five. Hi, five listeners. And BD Wong. And and mostly say hi to BD Wong. Hello, BD Wong. Has anyone told him yet? God damn it. Do none of our listeners have any juice at all? Is that what unites us? (laughs) Oh, it'll just be a mystery. Uh, how are you doing today, Samantha? I'm okay. How are you? I'm hanging in there. You know, that's still that's the bar. <laughs> really, all we can ask for these days. I'm alive. Uh, I'm not having uh, those COVID nightmares. That sounds real all bad. Right. So, do you know what I'm talking about? Is that I have like a vague recollection of what this is. Like I've I've seen a tweet about it or something. Is this nightmares oh. you have when you have COVID? Yeah, and they are. are apparently so horrible they can give you ptsd oh my god i guess i missed that part wow yikes it 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 apparently gives you yeah some night terrors you know how this 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 disease seems like it was made in a lab to be as absolutely horrendous as possible well it also gives you terrible nightmares i was just about to say i i don't subscribe to any covid conspiracy theories but i kind of sort of understand where they're coming from because this is so wild you get like that's a good nightmares and weird feet symptoms and like you're you're out of breath even when you're just sitting doing nothing it really sounds like something that is strangest from a ailments yeah that is true Uh, um no but it turns out just the world is terrible we don't actually need to make horrible things in a lab they will just come to us yeah that's great that's great uh we are asteroid will hit us Oh, that's true. What a blessing that would be. <laughs> Satan. Come on. Satan. Come on. Give us something. Are you <laughs> listening down there? I have a request. 
for some reason, I don't. This is dark. Okay, people, this is dark. <laughs> I was talking to Mac the other day about how you know grim everything is, and watching Unsolved Mysteries, you sort of sometimes feel like, wow, it's amazing I made it out of the eighties, <laughs> right? Like, how was I not kidnapped and murdered? Right, because it just seems like child, and, and it wasn't like children were getting kidnapped, you know, right and left. But it, it can, there was more kidnapping, and it feels like it was everywhere. And so I was like, "Oh, Satan, I've seen what you've done for other people. <laughs> what? Why? Why am I still here?" <laughs> That's, yeah that's dark it's okay. dark but i mean i think we can all relate i know i can't i see what you've done for others why can't you do this for me <laughs> all right liz do we have any updates <laughs> liz we don't need you just dark rambling <laughs> making everyone more depressed okay updates updates yes so unsolved mysteries has announced when the new reboot episodes will be out yes, that is october 19th so Mark excited. your calendars accordingly. Of course, we're talking about the reboot episodes on Patreon. We just yeah. recorded um episodes two and three, which are depressing as fuck, but I know we know well, you've watched bleak. them already. So give bleak. us a dollar, subscribe to our Patreon. We will be talking about the new episodes um once they come out, and we're doing two a month. So yeah, subscribe and you can hear all of our thoughts. I'm so excited. We have very little to look forward to. I know I say this every episode, but like we really don't. But this is something <laughs> to look forward to. This is something to look forward to. Some are your calendars. Also, Netflix, you know how I don't know if this is true on your TV that Netflix will just like show stills of like random things that are gonna come out. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, the other day I was putting on my shoes and it there was a there was a frame for a show called Young Wallander. And I was like, What? <laughs> so that's actually like genuinely exciting to me that i'm gonna get some new wallander content yes nice. please bring it on thank you and everybody's like liz that show is pretty pretty bleak it's like i don't care need it <laughs> bring it hook it to my veins uh other update is that tote bags are going on sale last day of this month if you're a patron so what is that that is monday the 31st and then the first of next month for everybody else they are black cotton tote bags with beautiful holographic rainbow foil saying, perhaps it's you podcast. It sounds like women talking. WTF. <laughs> You're going to want you, one. You know you need that in your life. You know. So that's $22 in the U.S. with shipping. And there'll be other prices <laughs> for international <laughs> shipping. And if you're in Minnesota, you're going to have to pay sales tax because that's how that works. But. I think you're going to want to get your hands on one of these beautiful, glorious tote bags. It'll be worth it. I promise. They're so pretty and yeah. so sparkly. I love mine. Um, That might be it that I have in terms of updates. I'm sure I pronounced some things wrong. I'm sure I just flat out said some things that were wrong. Oh, I know I did. That's like... That's just a given. I think I never addressed... So we released from the Perhaps It's You Vault the our x first x files episode and apparently in that i said chris carter's birthday wrong i got you corrected on that x files fan liz i'm just like well, I, I was gonna say Turn I in your your x file card <laughs> i was a, an official fan club member uh yeah the thing about that is i'm glad that i don't know <laughs> i'm honestly 
I'm glad that that information has left my brain making room for new information. Like <laughs> there is a time when I was say 11 that I would have been crushed by that error. An error I never would have made at the time. But now that I am 500 years old, I'm glad that that part of me has moved on because the amount of X-Files information that has been retained in my brain seems like a huge waste of storage space. So when someone was like, no, Chris Carter's birthday isn't 1120. That's his wife's birthday. I was like, great. Glad. I'm glad I got that wrong. Oh, shout out to my dad. This is a little surprise, Samantha, that I opened uh, some mail that came yesterday right before Ooh. recording this. And we each got a custom mask, face Ooh. mask, that says perhaps it's you podcast on it. So next time I see you, it has like our, you know, like banner graphic on a mask that it fit really well. It looks really good. You know, this is well, something we should have thought about because we could really get some free advertising out of some perhaps masks. As we walk around and people go, oh, that podcast is clearly amazing. What is it? You're wearing, You're wearing it your your mask. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, so thanks, Dad. Yay. I don't know, but I'm like 100% sure that was for my dad. So thanks, Dad. <laughs> I think that sums up all the updates. Yes? Uh, I think so. I think so. This Maybe? Okay, we're so we're talking about season five, episode twenty of Unsolved Mysteries, and this is weird. I feel like I should have some conspiracy theory about this episode. Like, what are what yeah. is what are they hiding from us? It's is a really what good I question. is what I want to know about this episode because, as you know, Unsolved Mysteries is still on Amazon, but you have to pay for it now. But we so we switched over to YouTube, which is free, except that this episode is not on YouTube. The whole the rest of the season through. is there, but yes. not this episode. Yes. It's so strange. You can, you can see, I searched for just this episode by number, the easiest way, didn't come up. I was like, oh, that's weird. So I actually went to like the official Unsolved Mysteries page, went to season five, scrolled all the way to where 20 should be, and it goes from 19 to 21. Why? What's I need going some, on? So I need some information. First of all, is this is this a 2020 thing? Are we just erasing the number 20 from we're just all oh! over 2020? Oh. It's like 13 on an elevator. Yeah. It no just doesn't 20s. exist. No more no 20s. Death no to 20s. 20s. But then, I don't know if we should talk about it now, but like something else is weird about this episode. Yeah, it's true. So um, what are I, they hiding from us? So were so, you able to watch this for free on Amazon? Yes, with a million ads. Yeah, same. It it says something about like it comes with your IMDb channel, and I was like, I don't think I have that. But I think if you have Prime, you do. But uh, they just that just means they throw in a ton of ads. So is I don't are, know. They, are they all available now with just a million ads? I guess I didn't Probably, look at any of the other. I don't, I'm so confused and I hate it. <laughs> I don't know, but I want to know what they're hiding from us. And if you're a super fan out there with the DVD set, go to season five and tell us if episode 20 is in there. But I don't think the DVDs correspond to the same oh, you're right. numbers as this. Damn, so they won't be able to do that. We have a mystery inside a mystery here. Hmm. I think maybe this episode sucked. <laughs> so they were just like, throw the that episodes out. have also sucked. Why did we keep the Alcatraz episode? I... <laughs> People love that episode. And by people, I mean men. Um, yeah, this episode is not great. No. This is going to be us complaining about the thing we're supposed to like. Because 
it's it is like you know how in the 50s you were supposed to just like make a casserole out of whatever you happen to have in your fridge that's <laughs> yeah. this episode it's just like it's, it's this is a, like a leftover salad it's a really good way to describe it it totally is okay let's get into it so this is season five episode 20 yep <laughs> not much good to say for it <laughs> and the first segment is an unexplained death this is the unexplained death of chad langford on March 12, 1982, military policeman Chad Langford was finishing what that should have been like a real name. Can we address once again <laughs> me it. going Chad Langford sounds like a name that would be on NCIS. <laughs> it kind of doesn't sound like a real name. His code name, uh, I'm not sure if the code name they used for him in the reenactment, which was Papa 2. I don't know if that was real. How did I miss that? Papa I don't know. They called him Papa Two over and over again, and I could not stop laughing. Like I, Papa I, Smurf. Like if yes. Papa Smurf had a twin brother, so this he implies was the existence of Papa One. I don't know who, why Chad was Papa Two, but um, yeah, they <laughs> say it over and over again. How did I miss that? I was probably still texting you about how it was like this episode was missing. Anyway go on all right so yeah military policeman chad langford was finishing what should have been a routine patrol of his army base in huntsville alabama 30 minutes later langford radioed his base station informing them that he was stopping to investigate an abandoned car within minutes the backup officer arrived to find a bizarre scene chad's military id tag armband and his portable radio had been deliberately arranged in the middle of the street and there was no sign of chad then a quarter of a mile away the officer found chad's body the officer was shocked by chad's condition his head was bleeding and he was barely breathing his cap had been stuffed in his mouth and the cord from his radar unit had been wrapped around his neck his patrol strap was tied around his ankles um, and Chad's handcuffs were clamped on his left wrist. And then on his left hand was written a cryptic message in black ink. It said March 3rd and looked like the name Robert. Yeah, Strange- this is a lot of symbolism going on. Yeah, this is. You would think choking with your own equipment would be enough. But it's like, no. And a cap is in your mouth. And you're handcuffed. And your IDs are in the middle of the road. And... There's yeah. a lot going on. It's a lot. Strangely, Chad's 45 caliber pistol was found underneath his left shoulder. Ballistics tests would later show that two shots had been fired from his gun. However, it could not be determined whether either of them had hit Chad. So Chad Langford was rushed to Huntsville Hospital, where he died two hours later. He was four months shy of his 21st birthday at the time. That's what's really sad. He's so young. He's really, really young. Chad's a father. babe. Jim Langford uh, was shocked to learn that the army believed Chad had taken his own life. Did you um, name Jim Langford's mustache? I sure did. Well, actually, Mac did because he happened to be in the room at the time. And Chad's father has a real Wilfred Brimley mustache. (laughs) It's it's quite long. It's gray. It's it's boisterous. (laughs) It's scruffy. It looks very scruffy. It looks very wilford brimley so the the mustache is called the diabetes <laughs> shout out to max that's a great name and very appropriate the diabetes he, 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 yeah he he throws in his two cents every now and then 
Chad Link, so Chad Link, Chad Linkford's father does not believe that he died by suicide. His father, uh, so Chad Linkford was raised by his father and grandmother in a small Northern California community. He joined the army right after high school and was stationed in South Korea. There, he earned several good conduct medals. Um, at the conclusion of that tour of duty, Chad joined the military police at Redstone Arsenal in Alabama. According to his family, Chad loved army life and life and planned to re-enlist. Then, in early 1992, Jim Langford noticed that his son's behavior started to change. And this is what he said. In January, he called me and told me that he'd been asked to do some undercover work. He called me three or four times, and each time he gave me a little bit about the work he was doing. I had asked him just exactly what he was working on, and he said guns and drugs. Very specific. Although I guess, you know, secret stuff. Probably two or three times he told me that if he was found out, that he was a dead man. At that time, I told him, you got to get out of this. And he came back uh, with, I can't get out of it. So some cagey stuff. Uh, Not sure what's going on. When Jim Langford urged his son to talk to his undercover superior, Chad said he would not be able to do that for about another 14 days. But 14 days later, Chad was found bleeding with a fatal bullet wound to the head. That timeline coincidence. That, I mean, cannot really be a coincidence. That's a very, like... Yeah. Oh, it's in exactly two weeks, my superior will be back, and then in exactly two weeks, he's dead. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a coincidence. The Army's Criminal Investigation Division reviewed Chad's death for four months. Their report stated that Langford had not been involved in any undercover narcotics work. The CID finding echoed the Army's preliminary judgment that Chad had taken his own life. The report inc- uh, included what the CID called a, quote, psychological autopsy, which yes, apparently they just say make up stuff about your brain after you're dead. This seems dubious. I don't know what I've never heard this before. A psychological autopsy. It does not sound real. Um, a post-mortem evaluation of mental health is how they described it in Unsolved Mysteries, which what it described Langford as having serious lifelong emotional problems. Jim Langford Based on what? He doesn't no seem idea. to have any history of that to, to support that. I have no idea what a psychological autopsy entails. It seems really dubious. Uh, His father was immediately skeptical after hearing the military's, quote, official evaluation. Reasonably so. He said, I raised that boy for 20 years. I know him better than that. And the military has psychologists out to talk to you or call you over the phone and talk to you for 10 minutes. And then they complete a life story of everybody. And they're so far off base, it's unbelievable. Which, yeah, I can't really blame him for coming to that. The report claimed that Chad's suicide was triggered by a breakup with his girlfriend. However, Chad's former girlfriend, Roxanne, disagreed. Um, She said the CID report said that Chad committed suicide over my breakup with him. But that wasn't true. I didn't break up with Chad. He broke up with me. I had a feeling that someone was telling him to break it off with me. And I think Chad did it to protect me or something. Um, Yeah, I think he, it seems like he didn't like... Or he he was worried about whatever undercover work he was doing or whatever assignment he had been given and that that prompted him to break up with Roxanne. Yeah, like it put her in danger or something. It sounds like this this breakup was really out of the blue. Um, she didn't see it coming at all. Roxanne saw Chad for the last time five days before his death at the base nightclub. He seemed to have dramatically changed. This is what Robert Stack describes him as. Oh my Dressed God, in no. all black, wearing gang-style clothing. Okay, to be fair, does that sound like a racially loaded term? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is Robert Stack familiar with casual clothing? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say gonna no. I'm going to say well. he, he's familiar with cruise wear. 
Sure, sure. And maybe like a tennis outfit, but just normal clothes. He doesn't know her. Well, Liz, he was wearing an earring. So, oh well, that changes everything. Never mind. <laughs> Gang style clothing, it is. And he was apparently he's really he's literally wearing like a black t shirt, <laughs> black pants or shorts. I can't even remember. And that's like that's it. That's. Game style clothing, clothing. all right. Yeah, well, and the earring, so pretty much seals the deal. Uh, He was also uh, reportedly hanging out with several rough-looking men who Roxanne had not seen before. So does that just mean they're not? That's the gang, I guess. I don't know. That's his gang. Uh, I'm just guessing that means they're like not in the military. I assume they don't have like military haircuts. Maybe, or does that mean they're not white? Rough-looking men. You know what? (laughs) Go either way. Like, not really sure. Lifestyle changes tie in with another shocking CIA allegation. changes. <laughs> he wore an earring. He, he wore started an wearing earring. an earring. That's a dramatic lifestyle change. Do you remember when Harrison Ford got an earring? Not, this was like some. Really. No, why would you? This was some like big '90s <laughs> tabloid news that Harrison Ford got an earring. You know, he was in his fifties. Uh, I think it was seen as sort of a midlife crisis, but it was also the tiniest. If that is your midlife <laughs> earring you've ever seen, it was just a tiniest little gold stud in his ear. And, <laughs> and yeah, if that caused so much like entertainment tonight fodder somehow. That's what I'm picturing for this guy. His lifestyle change. And it's really just like one little dot. I'm picturing, you know, this is how they should have done the reenactment. Roxanne walks into this nightclub. She gets a, a just the glint of the earring like flashes. <laughs> it blinds her. What? <laughs> yeah, I it's hard to know exactly what's going on. The the sources are dubious. So I'm not seeing a whole lot of evidence of lifestyle. I mean, he broke up with Roxanne. Apparently they were very serious and have been like talking about getting married. And then he pierces his ear. <laughs> He's also 20 years old, though. Yeah. Who is surprised that a 21-year-old suddenly decides to wear different clothes and get an earring? That's like... Break up with his girlfriend. The least shocking thing in the history of anything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another shocking CID allegation. In their report, the Army claimed that Chad had been plotting to steal from the Army PX and cited interviews with three soldiers to prove it. Except that's clearly the undercover work he was doing. Right? I guess... I don't believe for a second he was really planning to steal stuff like this. I think he was trying to figure out who was, I don't know, doing stuff like that on the base. I don't think yeah. for a second. I mean, we we already hear from his father he's doing undercover work. And then it's like, he was involved in this shady activity. And it's like, yes, undercover. <laughs> what? Right. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of this. Chad's father believed that there was a legitimate explanation for any contact his son may have had with criminal elements on the base. He says, basically what you said, this is part of his undercover work. Um, Chad left phone messages for several friends just hours before his death. The CID interpreted Chad's calls as a, quote, goodbye, except that they didn't sound like a goodbye at all, and he didn't even say goodbye. Except he didn't say goodbye. They interpreted it as a goodbye, which is weird, because he rarely used that phrase. Yeah, he's just, like, checking in with Roxanne and, like, making sure she's doing okay. He's not like, you are the love of my life, and I want something better for you. He's just like, hey, I hope you're doing okay. I haven't talked to you in a little bit, but We'll hang out right. soon. Is and that a goodbye? Dad, his dad also points out that he didn't. There's people he didn't call. He didn't call his grandma, who basically raised him. 
So, yeah. like, who's he saying goodbye to? <laughs> he had already broken up with Roxanne. I don't know. This is strange. I feel like he broke conclusion. up with Roxanne. Maybe he didn't really want to, or he did, but he felt kind of bad about it. So he was just, like, checking in to make sure she was okay. That's not a goodbye. Well, and he was pretty heated. Like, in the reenactment, they show, basically, yeah, he, <laughs> wa- he tells Roxanne he wants to break up with her. She starts, like, arguing, whatever, that, you know, why She's are you like, doing what? this? She's like, what? where? Yeah. You know, I don't think this is this is very sudden. And then he gets mad and tells her to leave and, like, throws a glass against the walls. And she left kind of frightened. So I think maybe after he had cooled down a little yeah, bit, he, he decided he to call bad. her. You know, and whatever. Um, so but I don't know that it's a goodbye. <laughs> anyway it's weird i think it's i think it's from guilt yeah yeah (laughs) yes so the psychological autopsy claimed that chad langford had a profound lack of self-esteem and was desperate to create a new image i don't i don't know (laughs) i don't know i find it so irritating that you can just like besmirch someone's character after they're dead like this to prove that they yeah killed themselves like there's no i we don't hear anything about him suffering from depression, which even that would be like a leap. But we don't hear anything like that. We don't hear that he was in therapy. We don't hear that he, you know, talks to someone about feeling suicidal. We Like, there seems to be no groundwork for these conclusions. Right. No, and there's a lot of weird things about his death that make you really wonder about this suicide uh, well, you know when you commit suicide and then you lie down on the gun that you just used? Yeah. You know that's that? a big one. His gun was found under his back. <sighs> so, and also, like, it sounds like the the bullet, like, grazed his head or, like. Right. You know, like, it, it didn't seem like how you would. I don't know. Anyway. This is a lot of effort for a suicide. There's a lot of yeah. staging. That- yeah, but. <sighs> And no, no. I, but the the staging is what the military points to as like this is what he was doing. They said this is what the military decided based on this uh, psychological autopsy that he was desperate to create a new image, even at the cost of his own life. According to the report, Chad felt that the glory eluding him in life would finally be his if he appeared to have died in a heroic last stand. He's twenty. <laughs> He's got plenty of time to go do something. Yeah, I so- swear they're like, we know he was unhappy with his life. He got an earring. <laughs> he went to Claire's, everybody. <laughs> Things were dark. <laughs> he wore a black t-shirt to a bar. If someone gave me this, this psychological autopsy about someone I knew, I think I would fall down laughing. It's so absurd. He wore black clothing, got new friends, and had an earring and therefore he, he, he had he lifestyle changes two guys in a bar <laughs> that's that means literally nothing yeah yeah anyway so they oh. claim he called in a false report of an abandoned car that he had staged the scene to look as if he had been attacked and then murdered the official report even claimed that chad's accounts of undercover assignment were a total invention Chad's uh-huh, family, sure. however, did not believe that he died by suicide, and neither did the Huntsville, a Huntsville reporter named Julie Schultz. This is what she said. She said, to start with, it was very bizarre, even from the night it happened, because the Huntsville Police Department and other law enforcement agencies never heard a word from the Army about any of this. And generally, when there's a police officer shot, there'll be a manhunt, you know, all hands on deck, whatever. Sure. Even- 
before the army ruled that it was a suicide, there was just wild speculation about what hmm. could have happened to him. People were saying espionage, drug deals, all kinds of things. And it perpetuated itself as it went with the CID reports. So hmm. that's another weird thing is that an officer is shot and like tied up and he had reported an abandoned car and then they don't have a manhunt. They don't search the area. They're like, that's weird. They don't, they're not, clearly not interested in collecting any evidence. Clearly. So Chad's father also believed that the military police missed opportunities to question possible suspects that night. The MPs stopped two different cars within a mile of where Chad was found. And according to Jim Langford, both cases, the drivers were never questioned. He said, it's actually crazy. You're talking about a murder here. And it appears to me that anybody within a three or four mile radius of that place could have been stopped and questioned or at least asked, asked about it. They already know. That's the thing. I think they already know what happened. Yeah, Chad Langford's final hours were made shrouded in a mystery. He did. Um, did he invent a tale of undercover intrigue and then stage a heroic death, or did Chad Langford truly die a hero gunned down in the line of duty? Is what Robert Stack says. Let me see if I don't think there was an update on this. Let me look at the unsolved mysteries, which is really sad. Oh, it's super sad. This poor yeah. kid. He thought the army would actually care if he died, and they did not. Oh, yeah. So the result is unresolved. After the broadcast, the investigation into Chad's death was reopened by the Army, but the Army, um, if uh-huh. there were any results of that investigation, they've never been made public. The Army investigated themselves, and they found out what I'm doing. <laughs> Basically. I mean, I think this stinks of a cover-up so bad. I yeah, think it's really I... sad. I think maybe they asked him to do something that they didn't want to be held accountable for. I don't know. But yeah. I think it just was something that would have made the Army look bad. And so they didn't want to admit whatever happened. I just don't understand how you shoot yourself and end up laying on top of the gun like that. No, it makes it no sense. Doesn't make any sense. And it why is he shoving a cap in his mouth before shooting himself? Right. Why isn't he leaving a note or saying goodbye to his grandma? Yeah, literally. Why is he shooting himself and then lying on top of the gun? Why wouldn't they want to find the person that killed him? I I think they realized he was dead as a result of whatever undercover thing they were doing. And they went, oh, shit. And they just swept it under the rug. It's very sad. Sure seems like it. Yeah, he's so young. Poor Roxanne. Yeah. That's a bummer. Big, big hair. Mm. (laughs) Uh, She she deserved better. She She deserved better. They all deserved better. Okay. Now we get two totally unnecessary updates of things we've already talked about. And it's super frustrating. Then, once you get through those and a couple other commercials, you'll get to a Wanted that takes place in Philadelphia. Uh, goes back to September 10th of 1991. This is a weird case because it yeah. starts... The only reason it gets investigated at all is because the police get three calls from a convicted rapist, Julius Patterson. And he's calling completely out of the blue... To tell, pe- to tell the cops that him and his girlfriend, Paulette Height, had killed two people. And the reenactment of this is very funny to me because the officer is like, well, I'm still going to need more information from you. Your social security number, where you are. It's like, lady, he just confessed to murder. This is, it was so and it makes funny. it seem like the, the confession like wouldn't have counted if he wasn't willing to like give his address. And like, his well, social security number? Well, I can't fully fill out this form, so never mind. Chuck it in the trash. 
Um, so he was confessing. Really, I think he was trying to throw his girlfriend, Paula, under the bus. But he was referring to two deaths, one in 1986 and one in 1988. One of the victims was Julius's own sister. And he told the police that, that he knew where the body could be found. Now, I don't think the police took this very seriously. I think they thought it was a prank at first. And maybe that's why she's asking for stupid information like his social security number. Because we see a reenactment of the police going to the address that he gives. And the current resident has only been living there a couple of months, but she opens up the door and the police are like, yeah, so we got a tip. There's a dead body in your basement, which can you imagine? <laughs> no. And then, and then she's like, what? No, that's impossible. Like, I don't think whatever. So the police like get permission to go inside and look at the basement floor. So what Julius had said is there would be a patch of concrete that was clearly newer. It like wasn't the same color as their, the, the rest of the concrete floor. So they they do find that patch, and I don't know if they get a warrant or whatever, but they dig up that spot in the basement floor, and right at the same time that this is happening, Julius has called back to the police department demanding to know if his girlfriend has been arrested. So I'm assuming that they, like, this is just my assumption, I assume they had some fight, and he's like, I'm tuning you in for murder. Because he seems- if that's what you had over your- your I know. You're like, all right, well, if you don't fucking do the dishes, I'm going to turn you in for murder. <laughs> turn you in for murder. Because he seems way more concerned with whether or not they've arrested Paulette than, like, what's going to happen to him. Dude, you're going to arrested, too. Yeah. So the police are like, we don't even have any evidence other than your word yet. No, we haven't arrested her. So then it cuts back to the police are breaking through the cement floor, and they do find a body. It turns out that Julius and Patricia had previously lived in that house with Julius's sister, jesse however she had mysteriously vanished in the july of 86 this is super sad yeah jesse was julius's disabled sister she was both blind and deaf julius was supposed to be her caretaker and it seems like absolutely nobody cared when she mysteriously went missing (sighs) i don't think anybody would have ever investigated this if julius hadn't called the police department and literally turned himself in because he was mad at his girlfriend she was so he apparently married murdered Jesse just to get her social security benefits. During this call, Julius also confessed. They say confessed, but I think he was like saying Paulette did it. And then they were like, How do you know that? And he was like, Well, I was there. <laughs> they don't <laughs> well, say that. But yeah, but that's the impression that I get. Anyway, so he also confessed to the murder of someone he was calling Gordy. Police learned that during the 80s, a man named Hall Luther Gordon, who suffered from Alzheimer's, had also been under the care of Julius Patterson. We learned that his girlfriend, Patricia, made her living caring for the elderly. She met Gordy at a local boarding house and I think became his caregiver. Hall Luther Gordon was last seen in the July of 86, which just happened to be around the same time his two caretakers moved away. Hmm. Again, no one looked into this. No one cared what happened to Hall Luther Gordon. And I don't think anybody would have ever investigated it if Julius hadn't gotten so mad that he called the police and turned himself in. These (sighs) are two vulnerable people who just went missing. Nobody ever saw them again. And no one did jack shit. So that's what we need the police around for. Okay. Now we got a mustache. This is on Agent Lang, and it's it's not a good mustache, folks. I'm sorry, Mr. Lang. It is uneven and it is 
It looks like there's like a patch missing, like right above his lip. It's scrabbly. Is that a word? It's it's, it's scrabbly. Yeah. Okay. I called this the not meant to be. This guy doesn't need a mustache. No. It looks bad. Doesn't improve your face, guy. Yeah. Move on. Shave that off and move on with your life. So this segment is a wanted because Julius and Patricia are believed to have stolen a total of $150,000 from their victims and then all are also wanted for murder. And they show you bank camera footage of the two of them. Like, I don't know if it's them depositing this ill-gotten money or that's just the, the pictures they had of the two of them. Uh, now we get another mustache. This is on Agent Kane. It's very pale. It's like unsettlingly pale because it's kind of the same color as his skin. It's a little hard to see. You're like, what's that texture above your lip? Yeah, oh, it's just it's a mustache. It's not just like, yeah, I don't. I called it Mr. Whisper. Oh, I hate it. I kind of don't like that. <laughs> I hate it. It gives me the creeps. Yeah, because this mustache gives you the creeps, Samantha. Yeah. That's true. Okay. So um, the segment is calling for people if they've seen Julius and Patricia who are wanted for murder, assault, armed robbery, uh, fraud, basically every crime. And it turns out that a viewership led uh, authorities to Patricia, who at the time was working at a fast food restaurant in New Jersey. Uh, Then we get another mustache. This one is triangular, very thick. Uh, almost volcano shaped. Hmm. Okay. I called it King Nark. <laughs> it's a very like copy it. mustache. It's like the top tier of a cop mustache. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so viewers' right. tips led to the arrest of of both Patricia and Julius. Julius led police to where he had left Hall Luther Gordon's remains. So this turned out to be a place where unidentified remains had been found in '89, which they then thought, oh. Now we know who these are. Seriously, the police solved nothing in this case. Julius <laughs> just true. confesses to crimes they were not even investigating and yeah. then leads them to remains that they had already found but hadn't managed to identify. And the only reason they ever find them is because of unsolved mysteries. Okay. The next part is that Julius claimed that he had another body to show police, a previous victim he hadn't mentioned. But he uses this opportunity to take um, please out by these elevated railroad tracks, assault a police officer, and then make a 10-foot jump off of the railroad tracks onto the sidewalk below, and he made his escape. So then Unsolved Mysteries, again, had to appeal to the public. Hey, have you seen this guy? We had him, but we let him get away. And he was found a few days later. He was apprehended at a bus stop, still wearing handcuffs that he had was hiding in a coat. The uh, conclusion to this is that Julius was sentenced to, after a plea deal, to third-degree murder and involuntary manslaughter and was sentenced to 20 years. Paulette, who there was a lot less uh, evidence against, got six years. So even though Julius, I think, was just trying to send Paulette to prison, he ended up in prison for a lot longer. It's a sad case because no one cared about those people. It's really frustrating. It's... It's not an example of the system working. At least not working well. Not working in a satisfactory way. That is true. Okay. We got only one more. This next one is so weird. This Okay, this is... I've been, I've been ragging on this episode about not, you know, not being that good, being like a casserole made out of leftovers. But this segment actually is kind of a this jewel in the desert. 
It's kind of. Kinda... I wish it was in a better episode because just this segment is mwah, chef's kiss. Yeah, this one is quite interesting. Okay, so first of all, this segment is called Skeleton in a Box. So that gives you an idea of where we're going with this. Sounds yeah. like a Halloween-themed porno, but okay. Okay, well, this oh, so this segment opens with Robert Stack doing a very like beyond belief style of, like monologue with a he's, box. He's like he's got an old trunk. He's like under a spotlight, and maybe <laughs> earlier in the segment, he's in like a ballroom with a grand piano. I don't know if it's in the same room, but it has this just, like very theatrical, over the top air, like he's in a play. Yeah, and he has this like monologue that's very like. It, it gave me beyond belief vibes where yeah, he's like, imagine very much. that you you bought a box at a garage sale and you open it. And the, I don't even remember what he said, but it was very funny. He's like, you know that thing where you buy an old trunk at a garage sale and you open it up and there's a skeleton in it? Well, that's what this story is about. That relatable experience. He talks about how we're transported to another place and then we go to Thermopolis, Wyoming. I mean, uh, yeah, that's where we're transported to. Of course. I mean, I saw that one coming. So in 1986, a longtime res- resident of Thermopolis, Wyoming, whom we will call Gabby, that's what they call him in the, in the, the episode, he moved Who to make up people's fake names? That seems really fun. Where they're like, all right, this guy was named Fred, but we don't want to throw him under the bus. We're going to call him Gabby. <laughs> What? Why? Maybe they draw straws for who gets to pick the name. I don't know. Oh, that would be so fun. <laughs> Robert's dad gets the short straw and is like, yes. Yeah. Gabby it is. <laughs> so he left some of his belongings in a shed, including an old locked trunk. He left the shed with a friend named Noel Sessions. Uh, then six years passed. And finally, Noel couldn't stand the suspense another minute and decided he was going to open the trunk. I want to know if this reenactment is accurate and if really like everyone <laughs> on his block came to watch him open a trunk. It because there like are so many crowd. <laughs> There's so many people standing around as he was inside. And it was just like, yeah, okay, look, we went to church. We already propped Sunday dinner. We've got nothing to do. Let's go watch that trunk get opened. <laughs> Except that despite the fact that there was a small crowd around to like see this mystery unveiled, I assume they've known about this trunk for a while and they're finally like, all right, we're just going to fucking open this thing. This is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's reaction is so subdued in the reenactment. I think one person goes, oh my God, a skeleton. No one seriously goes, oh my goodness, it's a skeleton. <laughs> Like, okay. I think I might have reacted a little stronger than that if there was just a skeleton inside. <laughs> open up something and there's a fucking human skeleton in it. I think you might go like, oh shit! <laughs> Not, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my stars. It's a skeleton. Now maybe that's swearing in, in that part of Wyoming. What do I know? Oh my goodness. It's really funny. <laughs> it's, it's really, really my new favorite thing. <laughs> thank you skeleton in a box Noel's description of, of the, everybody's reaction was quote there wasn't too much said at the time I don't know if everyone's in shock or what but apparently they just stood around staring at a skeleton I feel like Robert Stack is being very judgmental of, of the reactions he is so sarcastic this Why whole is segment so sarcastic in this segment and, and he's like well I would have opened this box differently <laughs> 
I, so, I don't know. It, this is is this like very goosebumpsy too? It isn't is. it? Like, it is. oh, and guess what it was? It was a skeleton. <laughs> So Noel asks his wife what he should do with the skeleton. And then he said he wanted to just give it a proper burial. And his wife is like, no, we need to call the police. I Okay, I respect that, though. <laughs> I kind of thought he was like, we are not bringing the police into this. I'm going to give these bones a proper burial. And his <laughs> wife's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm calling the police right now. We are not getting in trouble for a skeleton, but we didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> because, first of all, these things still belong to Gabby. Like, they're still his stuff. They know who owned this thing before them. They open it up. There's a fucking skeleton inside. His wife is like, um, no. <laughs> We're not. Yeah. I'm not having the police come out and go, why is there this freshly dug grave? Oh, you know that thing where you open your friend's belongings and you find a human skeleton? <laughs> That's what happened. You know that like oh, common okay. thing? The tale is old as time. <laughs> yeah. So before they called the sheriff, Noel felt obliged to contact Gabby. Well, uh, this guy's a true friend. <laughs> he didn't want to call the police. He didn't want to throw Gabby under the bus. Unfortunately, his wife found out. <laughs> yeah, his he was going to give Gabby like, the benefit of it. And in, according to this rapment, he's like super calm about being like, Gabby, I don't know if you're a murderer. <laughs> I don't know what happened here, but I just need to know we know about the skeleton. <laughs> All right. G- Gabby told Noel that he'd never even opened the footlocker, which is where this is where Robert Stack starts getting real judgy. <laughs> yeah, Robert Stack. I feel like Robert Stack has, is so professional the majority of the time. And he does he really care? No, he's just like showing up. He's doing the work. He's doing these like voiceovers with a lot of gravitas. But in this case, he's just like, there's no fucking way you didn't look. You can tell he's like, I don't buy this for a second. Uh, okay, so Gabby told Noel that he'd never even opened the footlocker. Uh, yeah, apparently he Nobody believes it. Apparently Gabby didn't didn't open it. He thought that he bought it at a garage sale, but according to Noel, when it when it came to the time and place, Gabby's memory suddenly failed him. Robert Stack is so judgmental about this. Like, it could have been Illinois or Wyoming or Oklahoma. He doesn't even know what state he went you, to a garage sale and bought a mysterious foot. You can fucking hear the laughter in Robert Stack's voice. It's so amusing. <laughs> it's the best. So Noel contacted John Loomley, the sheriff of Hot Springs County. Right from the start, Sheriff Loomley was suspicious. He said, I've talked to a lot of people about this case, and everybody said that almost 99.99% or more that they would have opened it immediately upon purchasing it. They said, if I'm they... not even sure I would have made it home. I would have got that thing to the car, and I would be trying to pry it open with a screwdriver. You just want to know. Yeah, it's a like a old weird looking trunk that's locked and something like, is in it and is rattling around you're gonna break that sh- that shit open immediately you could have just found treasure you exactly. want to know so two days later the skull was examined by an x-ray machine the test was revealed that there was a bullet lodged in the skull and now sheriff loomley thought he might have a murder on his hands gabby Which- we're looking at you okay first of all you didn't think it was a murder before it was a skeleton <laughs> in a box it was a hidden, 
skeleton, a whole human skeleton. That had How do you die of old age in a box that gets locked and put in a shed? <laughs> or just like, I don't know, you're caring for an elderly relative and they pass away and you go, I don't want to pay for a funeral. I have a box. <laughs> so, yeah, he thinks that he needs to have a chat with Gabby, according to Robert Stack. Uh, a chat. Gabby was like, sure. everyone, okay, Gabby, lucky to be white. I want to see someone else in that situation just get a chat. Oh, you know how you own a human skeleton and we don't know who it is or how they died? <laughs> yeah, let's just have a friendly chat. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this. Uh, we need to have a word. So Gabby was unsure about the details. He said that he might have bought the truck in Wyoming or maybe Iowa or maybe Illinois or well, maybe it was Oklahoma. <laughs> Definitely the United States, though. He's sure about that. Yeah, that we can narrow it down to one of the 50 states. So he says it might have been as early as 1973, but maybe not. And then Gabby is interviewed for the show, but he's like blacked out. Um, he says, well, I didn't know the guy. I didn't shoot this dude. I'm not even as old as the gun that shot him, which doesn't make any sense because you can shoot people with old guns. Yeah, that. He could have inherited it and then used it. Yeah, I don't really understand any. So this is like one of the last things we hear from the the sheriff is that Gabby is in his mid 40s. The footlocker and the lock were made in the 30s, which, again, old shit can still be around. I don't understand this logic. There's stuff in my house that is older than me, and yet I still own it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like... That's, That's not a mystery. It's an old <laughs> trunk. I don't know. Anyway, he says, I don't believe that Gabby was the person that caused the death of this person, but my thoughts have always been that he has knowledge of who the person in the trunk is or where they came from, which I think is very generous, but I suppose they don't really have any evidence. Um, also, it seems like the whole investigation was done by this one dude. I'm not sure that they ever like- People have been prosecuted with so much less evidence than owning human remains. <laughs> Yes, this is quite true. So on March 31st, 1992, Sheriff Loomley turned the skeleton over to the Wyoming State Crime Lab in Cheyenne in hopes that maybe the bones could tell him what Gabby could not. Sandra Mays was the lab technician that examined the skeleton, and she determined that he was in his 50s or 60s, was probably about 5'8", and was a Caucasian male. The bullet was from a 25 caliber weapon that was produced in, in or around 1904, um, and was probably available in the United States around 1908. In an effort to identify the victim, Sandra Mays created a three-dimensional facial reconstruction out of clay. Um, this part Robert is cool. says that only the eyes and hair are guesswork. It is cool, and they make like a very realistic person. I don't know why they gave him this hair, though. <laughs> the hair is guesswork, so we made it terrible. <laughs> it just like is slapped on. It's not like you could make it's- him bald, but it's like not symmetrical. It's very weird. <laughs> no, like this guy, we don't think he had a good hair, guys. <laughs> yeah, they could have given him literally any hairstyle, and they gave him like. I don't know, half human, I, half ape hair. I've never even seen hair like this. <laughs> like, on a person. It's, like, longer on one side. Like, who? It's, okay. it's something. If that was really his hair, we would know who it was. <laughs> well, it's guesswork. She did a very good job on his face. I don't know if that's, like, where her skill set ends and she's just, like, slaps some <laughs> hair on him or what, but it looks so unrealistic. Also, okay, so when you're watching this episode, is this where it cuts off for yes. you? This is, yes. yes. So same. the episode, Robert Stack is in the middle of describing this, and it just 
ends. The episode just cuts off. So this is the other the thing that's episode. weird. What are they hiding from us? Also, this really was probably hiding? the thing I was the most interested in in the whole episode was this forensic recreation of the skull. And it was like, yeah, yeah, you don't need to hear anything else about that. On to the next episode. And I was like, what? No, I was I was on the edge of my seat. I do have an update for this. Okay, case, thank God. So, no thanks to Unsolved Mysteries, since I cut it off, this uh, mystery is solved, actually. On October 25th... Oh. Okay, so first of all, if you were suspicious of Gabby, uh, you were right to be suspicious, because you totally murdered this guy. How could you not be? Okay, my real question is... So, okay, Gabby murders someone, puts them in a trunk. Why does he just leave that trunk with his friend? That is a, a mystery that I don't believe is solved. I'm not okay. sure. Maybe oh, he's just, it. like, a narcissist and didn't think, you know... Whatever. He knew this guy was a really good friend and wouldn't try to turn him in, and he was right. Oh, but I mean, he was actually right about that. Did get the better of him after six years. <laughs> On October twenty fifth, two thousand seventeen, the skeleton was identified as Joseph J. Mulvaney, who was born in nineteen twenty three. Joseph's granddaughter Shelley helped lead to the invest the identification. Reportedly, after seeing a re-airing of the Unsolved Mysteries broadcast, um, DNA testing with his daughter confirmed his identity. Investigators learned from his daughter that he had been shot and killed by her uncle, John David Morris, who was identified in the show as Gabby <gasps> in 1960. It is believed that Joseph's wife, who is Morris's sister, was also involved. After the murder, Morris buried Joseph in the footlocker in Iowa. At some point, Morris dug up the trunk and transported it to Wyoming, where he was working. He then left the trunk with Noel. He later moved to Mississippi, and in Mississippi, he died by suicide. Joseph's remains have been returned to his family, and a military memorial service for him was held on March 29th, 2019. Sadly, so he, Noel Sessions I got away with it? Yeah, he, well, he, he died oh. by suicide before, he was, before the skeleton was identified. Oh, it, my it, God. We only got an identification in 2017. He really got away with it. Despite being on Unsolved Mysteries talking yep. about how he had a box with a skeleton on it. Yep. Wow. It's wild. It's wild. Uh, Noel Sessions unfortunately passed away in 2003, which was prior to the investigation. So he never got to see the resolution. Look, anybody, that, anybody that was friends with Noel, you had a good friendship. That guy seems like a really solid friend. That's true. <laughs> Even if you straight up commit murder and he finds out about it, he's he's going to have your back. He, he stumbles upon the, the bones <laughs> yeah. of your murder victim. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what "quote unquote" Gabby did, but he assumes <laughs> he had a good reason. He's yeah. not going to get the police involved. Oh man, yeah. that is a good story, though. Mm-hmm. It is a good story. I yeah. wish Unsolved Mysteries hadn't just cut it off. I, I wish know. I could have actually heard that story. Really want to know what they're hiding from us, honestly. But so much. Yeah. So it seems like, and I I didn't do a ton of like Googling about this. There is an article in the Des Moines Re- Register you can look up. It seems like the daughter had some suspicions, but maybe it was never proven or the body was never found. And so she, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then when she saw this on Unsolved Mysteries, she was like, that fucker. <laughs> like, I knew it. I knew it all. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's wild. It's wild. She was like, I knew that so-called Gabby had something to do with it. Yeah. So... Anyway, um, yeah, that's, that's, the end. that's the end of the episode, I guess. I don't know what else was in the episode since they just cut it off. Oh. But let's let's rate it. Why have such a good segment and then just cut it off like that? I don't know. Unsolved Mysteries. What are you doing? You did, you did us dirty with that. Okay, let's rate it. What are we rating first? Mysteriousness. 
Okay. Um, actually, pretty mysterious. Though I, I really think that army cover up as involved in the first one. Don't come after me, army. Um, <laughs> we don't really know why, right? No, no we I don't think know. It's mysterious. We don't know exactly what was going on. I feel like they acted very suspiciously, but we don't have a like concrete answer. Correct. The mystery I talked about, not mysterious at all. But this skeleton in a box thing, that's like Nancy Drew level mysterious. That's I like really something out of it. a book that you also, would find a, a skeleton like that. I know. Also, this episode in general is kind of a mystery because why did it get cut off? Why do, isn't it on YouTube? Yeah. What are they yeah. hiding from us? I, yeah. I think Two thumbs, thumbs way up. Yep. yep. Reenactments? I think they were pretty good. I love the reenactment of them opening that footlocker. <laughs> I love that the whole town came out. There's like a welding torch. And then when they find possibly the most shocking thing that could be in there other than like a nuclear weapon, they're just like, oh, cool. <laughs> so good. So good. Just for that, thumbs up. But good. I think they did pretty good with the military reenactments too. Um, I thought they were, they were decent. Yeah. Yeah. Thumbs up. And fashion is her next category. I, uh, Roxanne is really carrying the fashion category with her glorious 80s hair, and she's got some cool earrings on. Other than that, I don't know that we're getting a lot of spectacular fashion. No, I agree with you on There that. are a lot of mustaches, though, but they're just cop mustaches, and several of them are so unfortunate and shouldn't exist. I mean, and this is the thing about the mustache, though. Like, we've seen so many mustaches by this point that the bar is so high. Yeah. So these ones, even though there were some pretty good mustaches, I feel like they're just, yeah, not I think the the MVM is definitely the diabetes, but you've seen a mustache like that before because you've seen Wilford Brimley. So I'm going to say sideways for fashion. Yeah, I agree. Robert Stack? Robert Stack gets two thumbs up from me. He yeah. is hilarious in this episode. I don't know. He was just in a good mood or he was just not He's buying this Gabby's so story or what. <laughs> he literally is telling you Gabby is a murderer. I'm never going in a room alone with Gabby because I don't believe. Any- oh, maybe it was Wyoming. Like this is full on sarcastic stack like you've never heard him before. Yeah. It's glorious. He it's deserves glorious. some sort of award for this segment. Yes, I totally agree. And so on our Robert Stack scale, how are we going to rate this one? Well, that's hard because, as I said, this is not a great episode, but it does have a beautiful segment in it. But it also just gets cut off and I have to watch ads to even see it. I don't know what that means. Two unnecessary updates. Two unnecessary updates and they're so long. (coughs) I don't know. Two and a half, three Maybe just watch the se- just watch the skeleton thing. Just skip, skip everything else. Segment, honestly, that's what. You yeah, because that's five Robert Stacks just for that, and then everything right. else is pretty low. Yeah, I agree. I am kind of amused that Julius turned himself in and clearly could have gotten away with his crimes if he hadn't gotten so mad at his girlfriend. But <laughs> but then the actual victims are so sad. Yeah, I agree. Ugh. Philadelphia police could have really done some work to bother investigating where those people went when they disappeared. Clearly couldn't have cared less. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. This is a this is a, a mixed bag as there ever was. It's true. That's a garbage casserole. Or I would love I wish I could hang out with Robert Stack when he has like, I don't know, one or two martinis in him and it's just like <laughs> dishing on everyone. You know what I mean? I wish I could I wish I could meet sarcastic stack. Yeah, he sounds like yeah. a lot of fun. He's uh you know he had like great dirt on people oh, and for sure. I feel like he probably looked down on pretty much everyone, and I just want to hear it. <laughs> <sighs> it seems so good. God damn, I know. 
It really does. Well, that's our episode. Um, do you have something to recommend? So, a recommendations update is that I listen to a couple more Q Code podcasts. Ooh. Because I love Baraska so much. Baraska update also is that Baraska tweeted out this week, just, we know, we know. Is Was that a hint for a season two? I don't know. It does make me think we're getting something, though. We're like, or we're getting like an an a, an after word. Yeah, we're getting like maybe like one more chapter or something, or maybe I another think season. It was a delightful surprise. Does seem like something else is coming, so that's great. So I listened to a couple more Q Code podcasts. I listened to Carrier, which is about this woman who is driving a semi and she doesn't know what in it. What's in it? Honestly, garbage. It was so bad. <laughs> like it's very well produced the acting is great the sound is great the editing is great all that stuff that they're clearly like super into because q code stuff is just an ad for like sonos audio equipment so they do like really fancy audio stuff but the story of that is so garbage save yourself the effort boo the ending is just like hilariously bad and then the other one i listened to was blackout which um is the produced and is the main voice of Rami Malik did it. Oh. Um, so obviously he does a great job. He's awesome. Some of the other voice work in there, I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I don't know if you if you're like I'm at the end of my podcast and I need something else to listen to. Sure, go ahead. Uh, it's fine. I thought the story was like okay. It's like a little bit cheesy, but kind of interesting. It's about like what happens if there's like a widespread blackout. Okay. Uh, and like how it affects this like one little town but eh that's my verdict on that it's okay. like all right okay uh so i didn't have like a good solid recommendation for this week so i just decided i would recommend one of my favorite books Ooh, i mean great. why not right so i'm recommending wittgenstein's mistress by david marksum so this is um it's a novel it's about the woman who believes she is the last woman on earth. And so it's like her story, just her narration of being like the last person in existence. And it's very poetically written. It's very beautiful. Um, This is one of those rare books that I just like, it's perfect. You know, like I wouldn't change anything about it. I think it's so great. Mac was like, are you really recommending that right now? Because it's a little bleak. (laughs) Like, well, too bad. Yeah. If you want to feel lonely, here you go. Wittgenstein's <laughs> mistress. I mean, it's it's just it's just shockingly beautiful. I I couldn't recommend it more. But yeah, maybe it's not the time to read about being the last person on earth. I could see that. Put it on your list though. Yeah. Put this on your good reads to read. Get around to it eventually. You're gonna enjoy it. I don't want to say too much about it. I give it an enthusiastic five out of five Robert Stacks. Great. That's a good recommendation. I have a podcast recommendation, which I've just Ooh, okay. started listening to like yesterday, but I'm going to recommend it because I'm pretty convinced it's great. Um, this is an earwolf podcast called Scam Goddess. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's I'm familiar with it. Lacey Mosley. And I'm recommending it because it's laugh out loud funny. I was cracking up listening to, I listened to a couple episodes 
Um, the description of the podcast is Scam Goddess is a podcast dedicated to fraud and all those who practice it. Each week, host Lacey Mosley, aka the Scam Goddess, keeps listeners up to date on current rackets, digs deep into the latest scams, and breaks down historic hoodwinks alongside some of your favorite comedians. It's like true crime, but without all the death, which is what hooked me. I was <laughs> like, sign me up. Yeah. I could really use something that isn't so murdery. Um, I thought this, first of all, she is hilarious and her guests are hilarious. I listened to an episode you might be interested in, which is um, she did an episode with Trixie Mattel. Oh, um, I'm very interested. Instagram scam artist. Well, he's on Instagram, but his scam was something else. Um, and what I enjoyed about it, besides the fact that it was just, it's just so damn funny, um, is that the scams they cover are ones I've never heard of. And I don't, I guess I haven't heard okay. of a ton of scams, but they're like, um, some of our more scams that are ongoing, like the one, the episode with Trixie that's like ongoing right now, um, and just really, really interesting. No, I'm hooked already. Um, I love it. I haven't heard one word, and I love it already. Her listeners will send in stories about how they've either done scams or been scammed, and those oh. were really funny. Um, her guests have stories about being scammed. Trixie Mattel has a had a, has a story about like trying to sneak into australia it's just really really good <laughs> i've listened to like two and a half episodes uh but i already know it's gonna be one of my favorites um so i i, I really recommend it i really enjoyed it and i've been on like a, a podcast slump like i've just been yeah. listening to like the same things and then i saw a tweet from her i think um and i was like oh what is this this sounds really good and i uh uh, looked it up and I was like, okay, this is right up my alley. I'm gonna listen to it, and I did it yesterday, and don't regret it. I'm, I'm, I'm subscribing the minute we stop recording this podcast. I did want to end with a with a little update from my mom, oh, which I should have included in updates, but I wasn't thinking about it. Which is that she really did enjoy one of those gargoyle romances we were talking about oh. the other day. What are you uh, doing your podcast? Are you reviewing I know, gargoyle mom- romances? Um, when we do the Gargoyle Romance podcast. So I think the one she read first was that Christine Warren Heart of Stone book. Okay. She said it was quite good. She said well-developed characters and a good sense of humor. So be sure to check that out. I also, the skeleton in a box story reminds me of this uh, story of my mother. So, okay. you know, <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, wait, we do sort of have a story like this. About a skeleton in a box. <laughs> okay, this, I have to hear this. This goes back to the early 90s. My family is living in Japan and we have no shame. And so we occasionally will find things, you know, like left by the bar- garbage and go, oh, I'm going to take this home because it's fucking nice. So <laughs> sure. one day we're walking home and we find my mom finds this large tea chest, which is like something that would have been used to ship chi, but it's like wooden, you know? And she's like, oh, this would be like, I'm going to cover this in fabric. This is going to be like a great, like, ottoman or whatever. Sure. They, I, I think my parents still have this to this day. So we drag this big wooden crate home. <laughs> and when she opens it, is there a skeleton inside? <laughs> well, like wrapped in, there's this, there's like a sphere wrapped in a ton of newspaper that has a red liquid seeping into it. <laughs> uh. And she starts to unwrap it. And there's a rope tied oh around some head. It seriously, seriously looked like a head. It was actually a jug. <laughs> <laughs> but 
there was definitely, I don't know, a good 30 seconds where my mom is like, oh, I just brought back a, a box with a head in it. And also, I'm pretty sure my parents still have that jug. The jug? Is it an ice jug? Yeah. Like a, okay, I was picturing like a milk jug. It was like a ceramic jug that I think the glaze was for some reason like seeping. I oh. don't know why. So that, that's what the red like liquid was. Or maybe it was something that was in the jug. Huh. And someone was like, I'm not dealing with this. So they just wrapped it in a newspaper and threw it away. And then, yeah. And then me and my mom are like, oh, treasure. Let's bring this home. And that's the time my mom thought she found a human head. Well, I'm glad she didn't find a human head. I mean, same. Think of how hard that would have been to explain to authorities <laughs> not in your native language. <laughs> we just wanted to upholster this. It looked like it would make a good coffee table. Well, you're like, look, we're Americans. We have no shame. Sometimes things are in the trash and we take them. I know that's hard to understand. <laughs> In this case, it was a big wooden box. <laughs> yeah, that's the time my mom almost went to Japanese prison. No, <laughs> but I'm sure that was a very scary minute or whatever in there of her life. Yeah, it sounds like it. She's had some really wild stories. She once was at a French market and I don't somehow like all these police came. Oh, there was like a package that was left there. They thought she had a bomb, basically. She oh. got like surrounded by like. I don't know, French authorities that all pulled guns on her. And I think there was a crab stuck to the back of her shirt at the time. The woman Wait. has lived quite a while. <laughs> yeah, she was at a seafood a market at the seafood stall. A crab has like, maybe I'm combining two stories, but a crab like bites onto the, with a pincher, has pinched onto the back of her shirt. So someone in French is trying to say, there's a crab on you. And she doesn't. <laughs> She doesn't understand what they're saying. And then there's like a package that gets left and some, someone thinks it's a bomb. So the authorities come and they all pull guns on her. And she has like no idea what's happening because she doesn't speak French. <laughs> laughing so hard at someone trying to say there's a crab on you. Like, I yeah. how did she not know? I don't Maybe it was light, a light crab. I'm not sure how she wasn't aware that a crab had pinched onto her. And those might be two different stories that I've just combined in my mind to be no, the greatest story of all time. Perfect. but. It's perfect. I believe that Sometimes, it happens. Yeah. Wow. She's, yeah. It's quite quite the life that woman has lived. I told you about this the time she woke up on a pile of scorpions, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so her dad liked to go on really long road trips and like camp in national parks and stuff. But the problem is that he would never put gas in the car. Oh, you so, <laughs> so they were always running out of gas in like the middle of the desert or whatever. And then they would get to places really late. So they pull up. I don't even remember where this was. We really should have her on to tell these stories because I can't remember the important details. But they pull up to this campsite really late. It's already dark. They set the tents. They go to bed. They're woken up in the middle of the night by a screaming park ranger who is still in their vehicle going basically, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and it turns out that that campsite was closed due to a scorpion infestation. <laughs> But because they got there at night, they didn't see the sign. So they had put their tent right on top of a scorpion nest. Oh, I don't know what scorpions God. have. So they wake up in the middle of the night and the ground is just covered in clear, clear scorpions that are just, I don't know, writhing around. 
what scorpions do. So they had to pack up all their stuff in the middle of the night while trying not to get stung by scorpions. That is terrifying. Yeah, That's she terrifying. lived through that somehow. Wow. Wow. That's wild. Anyway, hi, mom. <laughs> she needs to write a memoir, right? Yes, definitely. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the like angle of it could be, but there's there's the material for sure. I totally agree. Okay, so my new recommendation is to my mom. It's very specific. It's, mom, get working on your memoirs. We all want to read them. They can come out from Perhaps It's You Press. <laughs> okay, that's the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you should you. now follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a Facebook group, and then we have another group, just if you're playing Animal Crossing, because that's how cool we are. A lot of fun. We're at Perhaps It's You. Yes, and we have a website, perhaps it's you.com. You can listen to episodes there if you, like, I don't know, hate podcast apps. Uh, there's a submission form to contact us. There's our contact info. There's recommendations. There's great pictures of us. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a really it's a really solid website. It has an egregious error, but other than that, so good. Other than that, it's good. Patreon for a dollar. You get quite a large back catalog at this point. I mean, you really get your money's worth. And for $5, you get a coloring sheet every month. And for $10, you get a gift every quarter. I mean, our, our Patreon is... It's, it's, it's the it's, best deal in town. Yeah, for real. And is there anything else we need to say? Oh, we want those five-star reviews. Thank you to people who have been leaving reviews on Podcast Addict. That's a, a podcast app you can use for Android phones. So I have a... I don't have an iPhone, so I can't leave iTunes reviews either. But if you use that app, you can leave us reviews that way. So thank you to the people who have done that because it makes us look good. The more five-star reviews we have, the better. And we only accept five-star reviews. Yeah, that we'll take your criticism, but it has to be in a five-star review. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, okay. I think that's Thanks, it. everyone. Thanks for listening. Oh, 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 we do want spooky stories, paranormal things that have happened to oh, you, yeah. psychic we're dreams. The, we're coming close to the end of the season, so we really need and We have, like, stories. no stories. So perhaps it's you, podcast at gmail.com. If you got scammed, look, we'll take it. We'll get a jump on the scam goddess. Tell us oh, about yeah. the scam. Why not? All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, stay home. Stay safe. Keep barking. Goodbye. <laughs>